Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Psalm 42, gonna review a little bit from Sunday night to catch you up. As I said on as I said on Sunday night, it doesn't matter where you live because I lived in Hawaii for 14 years and I still saw people getting depressed. So, you know, you can blame it on the rain. I think there's a song about that. Uh, You can blame it on the fact that we have 15 minutes of daylight during the winter. Uh, You can blame it on lots of things, although those are real issues. Vitamin D uh, deficiency is a real thing, especially now. And I'm told you should be taking 10,000 IUs uh, a day of vitamin D if you live here. And if you're not, you might be feeling a little bit heavy right about now. Good news is, in just a few days, the days are gonna start getting longer. Can you say amen? All right, Psalm 42. Are we still passing out notes? I try to sync that so that you're not getting notes while we're reading the word. I do that on purpose. When we read the word, it's not time to go to the bathroom. It's not not, not time to Snapchat. Come on, somebody. It's time to to listen and give honor. And uh, so here we go, Psalm 42. And uh, Psalm 43, they're really meant to be together. Somehow they got separated in the course of history. It's the start, the second book here of Psalms. How many of you know there's five books? Did you know that they, they run parallel to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Did you know that? Yeah, in their meaning and their, their thrust behind those. So you can join KSM, King's School of Ministry, and we'll teach you things like that. You can learn and grow in the things of God. All right. Psalm 42. For the director of music, a maskil of the sons of Korah. That's in the original language, so you always want to read that when you read Psalms, Proverbs, etc. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, New International Version. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Herbin, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls unto deep in the roars of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love 
At night, his song is with me, a prayer to God for my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Psalm 43, vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight, and I will praise you with the harp. O God, my God, why are you downcast? O my soul, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Father, thank you for what you've done, Lord, all this week. There's so many testimonies of breakthrough and freedom and power and, and healing and deliverance. And I pray now that you would move in power as we look at these Psalms, as we get a prescription from the word of God, how to break off despair and depression. In Jesus' name, I pray tonight and serve notice against every assignment of despair over a spirit of heaviness, over discouragement and depression. I serve notice tonight that you're on the way out. In fact, you can begin to leave now and you can go all together in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen, amen. Put your hands together for God and you may be seated. So we preached Freedom from Despair Part 1 on Sunday night. And uh, man, I had a great time. Did anybody else have fun? You know, the mortuary, as we affectionately say, the mortuary is down the street. The church is not supposed to be a mortuary. The church is supposed to be a place of life, a place of fire, a place of joy, a place of healing divine. Can you say amen? It's more than just a lecture. You know, I'm here, I'm appreciating, I'm going to teach you something. Uh, but it's more than hearing and just getting an intellectual understanding. It's, it's receiving a download. It's receiving impartation from God's word by the spirit of God. These signs will follow the preaching of the word to be liberated in every area of your life. The reason we're here is to teach you to have a great life. And I don't know about you, but when I first came into this place 30 years ago, my life was not great. My life was filled with pain. My life was difficult. I had been through a lot of loss, a lot of despair. I, at the, the age I was at, I, when I was 20, whatever I was, I forget, and, and I was depressed. I had lost a family. I had lost, I'd lost houses and cars. I was in my 20s and I felt like I might as well be 70. My life is worth nothing. 
I mean, it's amazing how the enemy would just want to come and try to lie to you, try to tell you, oh, you've blown it. You've gone so far. You're 35 years old, and you think you've wasted your whole life. I got news for you. At 35, at 45, at 55, at 65, it doesn't matter how old you are. God can turn your whole life around, and what he did for Job, what he did for Job, he gave him a hundredfold. It's a hundred times more. What he did for Job, he can do for you, and by the way, this is not the end of the story. This is the very, this is an internship. Okay, so you were asleep in the first part of your internship. Wake up! What happens after the internship? The real thing, heaven, the millennial reign, serving God. This is just a test. Dude, this is a test. The devil works very hard to discourage people. In a review from Sunday night, we preached from Isaiah 61, which is a messianic scripture Messianic scripture, Isaiah 61, one through three. And it's a prophetic word about what the Messiah would do. And so profound it is, a picture of change, a picture of good news, a picture of healing, a picture of broken hearts being healed. It's a picture of prison doors. Some of you might be in a prison tonight. Oh, I know you're here. I'm not talking about a physical prison. In fact, let me say it this way. There's those who are in the physical prison that are freer than some that might be here tonight because they understand who Jesus is. They've received Jesus as the Lord and Savior. They've been born again and they're walking a new identity even though they're behind bars serving a sentence, maybe even for life, filled with joy. There is a powerful book for those that are called or desirous to hear about breakthrough and revival called Prison to Praise and how God touched a group of people and set a whole prison on fire. You can go to different countries even. I think it's in Argentina where they have a full blast revival in the prison. Oh, the, the prisoners are there, some for a whole lifetime. They're filled with joy. Everybody's saved. And if you get a tour, they give tours, actually. You can go and get a tour. And there's prayer meetings and Bible study and worship happening. I mean, it's just not like a normal prison. And anybody that gets there comes in there, they get, you know, they get redeemed, they get saved eventually. And they have this one, they have this one cell. And in the cell, they have they have a mannequin sitting there of, of Jesus. And if you were on the tour and you go to this, you go to this cell, they look, they say, Yeah, that, that's just a reminder that Jesus served time for us, so we're actually free. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. And so we talked about how God wants to take our mourning and turn it into Oh, Try it. It's quite fun. Don't poke the neighbor in the eye. Are you ready? <laughs> you know you have a hard time spelling when you can't spell joy. But the good news is I have it. How about you? Come on. Give me a J, J, you got the J, you got the J, you got the O, O, give me O. <laughs> you guys are right. <laughs> so I wanted to bring you a second part of that. We got so wound up becoming, you know, oaks of splendor of his righteousness, as it says, that uh, I felt like perhaps we should just do part two and give you some other principles so that you can walk in joy, so that you can overcome despair. I did say, and they quoted it on our Instagram, that joy is the flag that flies from the heart that has Jesus enthroned. When you have Jesus on the throne of your life, you will have joy. 
even though you might go through a night of grief. Pastor Vince and I gave an illustration of some of you having one cheek on the throne and trying to share that with the Lord. You can't share. It's, you know, it's not, that didn't work too good. No, it doesn't work. I don't like sharing a seat. Do you? Unless it's with my wife. Hey, bud. We brought a chair up here and I had Pastor Vince sit down and I sat down, total, thank you, those are good chairs right there. They held over 500 pounds. We sat there and that's not how it should be. You don't share the throne with the Lord. You give him leadership in your life. And if you don't have that, then it's gonna be a painful, difficult life. You know, everybody said, well, he's on the fence about that decision. Anybody ever heard that, that, that expression? Well, he's on the fence. That doesn't even sound good. Anybody see somebody fall on a fence like that? One, one leg on one side, one on the other? Not good. Some of, you, some of you have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, and you wonder where your joy is. Oh, snap, I'll be right back. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Wow. <laughs> That's me. Well, you can, you can get off the fence and get fully in the kingdom, but joy is an aspect of fellowship with God. So let's look at, let's look at this text now. Um, freedom from despair, part two. How to overcome. Like, there's so many how-to videos now. I think you can learn. Who's that Tesla guy? Yeah, him. He was saying that, that basically, I, I heard some interview. He says, no, I don't even think anybody should go to university where you can learn anything online. I, I don't know if that's exactly true. But, but I, I, I learned a lot of things. I was online, online last night trying to fix a snowblower. Amen. I figured out some stuff I didn't know. And I watched it and I looked at some things. And and I, I got I I got ahead until the until the cord broke and I almost punched myself in the face. Anybody know what that's like when you're when you're starting a motor? <laughs> Big 16 horsepower, a little bit of torque on that thing. The line broke and it was almost really ugly. But you can learn how to do just about anything. So I'm going to just really kind of break it down and make it practical from this psalm about how to, how to overcome despair. This overcome despair part dos. That's Spanish. Dos. Talk to yourself. Hey, everybody say talk to yourself. <laughs> or talk to your soul would probably be a better way of saying that. Talk to your soul. Healthy Christians talk to themselves. There are people that talk to themselves that are not healthy. <laughs> the truth is, you talk to yourself anyway. Go ahead, say hi to yourself without words. You can just talk to yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You can have conversations with your head, in your head. <laughs> I can say to my wife, my, you look so beautiful today. And I can say that in my head. <laughs> it didn't come out of my mouth, but I said it in my heart. Talk to your soul. If you're going to overcome despair, you're going to have to learn how to do that. You need to talk to your... Some of you need to tell yourself to shut up and sit down. Sit down and shut up. Everybody say, talk to your soul. You'll see... That, that's what he does. He taught, why so downcast? And we'll look at these different aspects. Psalm 42, Psalm 43. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Disquieted, another version says. Verse five, are you all there? 
Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. Oh my gosh, there's so many around me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Why so down? It's like from his spirit, he says, why so down? I don't know. Put your hope in God. Okay. He's talking to himself. And I will tell you, there's times, some of you need to put yourself under house arrest. You just like, <laughs> just. <laughs> you need to turn yourself around. You're waiting for somebody else to do that. They will come. Maybe you'll be part of that prison ministry. Or you can learn to speak to yourself and tell yourself to stop it. Come on, somebody say, stop it. Stop it. But you don't know what I've been through. No, I, I, I know that. And there are things that are difficult. And there are things that are very painful to walk through. There's no doubt about that. But don't let it destroy you. There are enemies. There is an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking human may devour. That's not, that's not fake. That's not, that's not pretend. That's for real. And so he comes to bring confusion. He comes to bring destruction. But if you, the, the power of the enemy is in the lie. And if you allow that lie to get rooted in your heart, in your mind, as a man thinks, Psalm 20, Proverbs 27, 23, Psalm 27, some Proverbs, Proverbs 20 something. It's in the Bible. In the Bible, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you thinking about mostly? And I'll just tell you, if you think about discouraging overwhelming, depressing thoughts, guess what you're going to feel like? Overwhelmed, discouraged, and depressed. So what do you need to do? You need to talk to yourself, and you need to talk to God about yourself. That's just number two. Talk to God about your soul. Talk to God about your what? About your soul. What do you mean, my soul? There's God is the three in one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three parts to you, spirit, soul, and body. When you ask Jesus into your life, he comes to take up residence in your spirit. We commonly say our heart. Some use the word soul for your spirit, but for tonight's definition, three parts to you, spirit, soul. You know what your soul is? Your soul is your mind, your memories, your will, your emotions. Some of you live your life from your soul. So you, what are you saying? Well, if you're gonna live free from despair and depression and discouragement, you have to break that because that's not where you're supposed to live your life from. If, you, if, I, if I lived my life, for, I'd be way back somewhere. I'd be in a ditch. If I lived according to my soul, and it's a daily thing. Your soul, you know, you gotta learn to, you gotta take, your, take captive your thoughts. You can't just let them run rampant. Turn to Romans 12. I mean, this is like Christianity one-on-one, -on -one, but it's a, good, it's a good reminder. Do not conform, Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is it to be renewed? To be made new, renew, renewed, renewing of your mind. So when you come to Jesus, you have whatever mind and soul, whatever memories, whatever emotions you have when you come to Jesus. Then at that point, you have to actually learn to change the way you think.
And if you don't learn to change the way you think, you're going to end up in a ditch as well. So you have to change the way you think. You can no longer think like the world. You can no longer think like somebody who's not washed by the blood and forgiven. You have to come to really understand who you are in Jesus. That's, this is Christianity 101. 90-something scriptures are, are on your identity. I was talking to uh, Brother Hank Hergelot, who's over our men's ministry, and they have a prayer meeting along with the women on Saturday, and the men are starting to move through. I think they pulled out 50 favorites, uh, and they're doing scripture memory, 52, thank you, scriptures about identity. Now, I will tell you that most people that I disciple and mentor and pastors that I raise up, I encourage, nearly mandate, memorize all 90 scriptures, and I can tell you that most don't. The ones that do, like the John Dukes of the world, different ones that you see all of a sudden become this explosion of faith and power, they've actually found out who they were. Most people live far beneath their God-given, blood-bought dominion and right for what Jesus purchased. And so then you sit, you know, living your life relegated to stupid thinking that are actually lies. And the power of the enemy is in the lie. Well, how do I know the truth is? You read the word and you get discipled and you go to Discover Track and you plug into a life group and you learn to renew your mind. Change your mind, boy. You ever heard that? That's, 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 are you guys okay? Good, I'm so glad. If you're gonna get free from despair, you have to talk to yourself about your soul and you have to talk to God about your soul and you have to change the way you think. Turn to James 1 and 15. Let me look at this with me. This is gonna help some of you who are enticed and dragged away on a regular basis by your soul. Verse 14, James 1 and 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I think that's a new living translation. I just like that. But you know what's also true? That's true. So you don't, you don't just all of a sudden find yourself robbing a bank. It's a pretty major sin, robbing a bank. It's gonna affect your life and your generations. You don't just find yourself stealing. You don't just find yourself on a porn site. You don't just find, that's not how that happens. You go, I don't know. I was just here and all of a sudden I was in front of the, the porn site. No. Although the enemy does try to defile and if you're online, things happen, you gotta be careful and you gotta live accountable and you gotta get prayers sometimes. No, you, you went to rob a bank, you thought about that. You're thinking, now I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna get my daddy's 38 and I'm gonna take a note. You've made a plan. You're like, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. And you work hard and, and you get disgruntled and you feel like it belongs to you. You start making a plan. A few weeks, a few months go by. Before you know it, you've got this elaborate plan and you're gonna get away on your snow machine and you're gonna take all the money. And then, you know, and then you're fixing your snow. No, I can't do it. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can't. Ah! It's all in your head. And then when it finally gets rooted, then you begin to act. And that is how it is for sin. Do you know what? That's how it is for righteousness too. 
you start thinking about righteousness and you start rehearsing that. You start rehearsing good works and good deeds. You start rehearsing about who you are and before you know it, you're gonna start doing it. You're gonna start helping people across the street and holding the door. It ain't gonna be about you. You'll get your eyes off yourself. The same is true for sin is the same is true for righteousness. If you begin to think on and meditate on what is good and pure and holy and noble, you're gonna set yourself free from despair. Can you say yes? Remember mountaintop experiences right back in our notes. Remember mountaintop experiences. And um, I have utilized this in my life. And I've, you know, I've utilized low, real low, difficult experiences too. What do you mean by that? Let's really say that here in the text, but he's going, it's David going through difficulty. And I remember in my life on a low experience, it was so low, it's low, I mean, like really, really, really low. No money, no one to help me, alone, feeling like I was dying of thirst. This is part of my story. Getting on my knees with a curb on one side and a big puddle in the middle of some inner city off of Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. And I was going to drink off the mud puddle. And for a moment, I thought, no, it's dirty. I thought, well, I don't really care. And I looked and I thought I was dying. I looked at the reflection of my face. <laughs> I looked at the reflection of my face in the puddle. And I began to weep because I did not know who I was seeing in the puddle. It's a shell of a man, 100 pounds down. Tears started hitting the puddle. I'll never forget them rippling out. And I said, oh, God. Help me. And then I took a big, long drink and went on. So when I run into difficulty now, I don't really have any. Oh, somebody cut you off. <laughs> wow, that's, that's tough. Woo, woo. Oh, how are you going to make that payment? <laughs> I don't know. Whoopee! Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? If he brought me from there to where I am now, he's not going to leave me. Plus, I got the word of God to stand on. And I think about how he set me free. I think about how he took away anxiety. I think about how he's restored almost every relationship to to go. I think about all that God has done for me, and I start rejoicing in the fact that though I might be facing an impossible, an impossible gulf, a chasm that's impossible for me to cross. Well, the whole thing is impossible, and yet here I stand. I think about in 1995 how he came like fire and changed my life. I think about all the different mountaintops experiences. He talks about Mount Hermon. You know, Mount Hermon is probably where the transfiguration is, what took place. Now, is it hot in here? Can we crack a door? And then as soon as you start to see children and mothers shivering, <laughs> close it. Mount Hermon. Mar Mount Hermon marked the, the physical uh, boundary of the promised land. When he says, when he refers to Mount Hermon and these, these different geographical places, they have great meaning. Listen, everyone here needs to, to build memorials. Remember, uh, spiritual amnesia is, a, or, or Alzheimer's, I should say, 
You forget what God's done, that's a recipe for disaster. Your testimony is one of the most powerful weapons that you have. You use your testimony. If God did it before, he can do it again. If you provided before, he can provide right now. If he delivered you and healed you before, he can do it right now. And you, you look at God's word and you begin to talk to your soul. Mount Hermon's a picture of the promised land. David talks about it in Psalm 133. A picture of unity, a picture of blessing, dew on Mount Hermon. The second thing, you remember mountaintop experiences you remind yourselves of times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. Think about God's love. This happened today. Today. This is a testimony from today. John Duke is, uh, got saved here. I mean, he went to, you know, he was at kids camp at another church years ago, and he gave his heart to Jesus and fell away, and kind of life maybe like some of you, and had kind of a hard time, and it went off to the sandbox, went to war, and got PTSD, just went through a lot. And he came back, it was disillusioned, he got kicked out of counseling. You could hear his testimony uh, on his webpage, I think. You get, I mean, you get kicked out of counseling, you know you got issues. And they're like, yeah, no, we can't help you, you're out. How many of you know God doesn't ever kick you out? He doesn't leave you nor forsake you either. So John, John came. I remember where he was, right here. He was standing right here, right here. He got prayed for. We prayed over him and Anna. Power of God touched him. He gave his life to Jesus. And then he kind of vacillated a little bit. And another person in the church saw him at the, at the supermarket who was filled with joy. Not depression, filled with joy. And John said, when I saw his face, I just wanted to punch him. <laughs> You make me sick. You're so happy. What's wrong with you? You know, kind of thing. So John has become an evangelist and he's traveling all over and he has more invitations and he knows what to do and he's traveling all over the place. So he's in Oregon today, right now. He's having service, probably just wrapping it up. Actually, maybe not. Maybe they're gonna go for hours more. So they went to the streets of Salem today. Today. They're walking the streets of Salem Homeless people, feeding people, praying for people out there in the street. And this guy who's sleeping on the sidewalk sits up and says, are you John Duke from King's Chapel, Alaska? Listen, we were in a big nation. Somebody said, well, it's a small world. No, it's a big God. Yeah, someone, that, that small world thing is nonsense. It's a big God, and he orchestrates things. So well, I can't believe I ran into you. Yes, it's the Lord. You're on a plane with your long-lost best friend from high school. It's God. He, God wants you to tell him about the love of God. He wants you to, so it's not a small world. It's a big God. And he, John texts me and says, call me now. Call me now. Well, I, I called him soon after that. And he tells me about this young man who I remember very well. In actual fact, I was praying for him three weeks ago. I mean, not last night, but three weeks ago, the Holy Spirit brought him to mind. I was praying for him. And uh, I won't tell you his name just to protect him, but he, he just gone astray. And he looked up and he sees John Duke and John Duke picks him up, buys him shoes and he feeds him and he helps him. And he leads him back to Christ. John was a good Samaritan to him today. Today. Someone who gave their heart to Jesus from here. And, and, and they left. 
They got offended, something happened, and they just ended up in Salem. I don't know. How, I mean, how do you leave? I don't know. Big God. He sent me a picture, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Isn't that the love of God? That's the love and the mercy of God. Reach to you while you're in Salem. Reach to you wherever you are. No one is past the reach of God's almighty hand. And you think about the love of God. Think about where you used to be. Think about how he saved you, how he healed you, how he freed you. And then you, you look at where you're at and you've got despair and you go, no, he set me free before. He can set me free again. God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you begin to change. And it can be a spirit for sure, but some of you partner with it. Be honest with God. Be, he, he's boldly honest. The psalmist is boldly honest. You know, God knows everything. You know that. So what are you trying to not tell him what the truth is? Tell him the truth. My husband is driving me crazy, God. Would you help me right now? Come on, somebody say helper, Lord. That was a prophetic word for somebody out there. Be, be honest. Be honest with God. I mean, why, why even hold things back? But don't come in agreement with the lie. But be honest. I feel this way. Don't worship your feelings. Don't share the throne with your feelings. Don't worship circumstances. Don't live according to what's temporal. Everything you see here is subject to change. Everything. Everything can change. Come on, somebody say, ch-ch-ch-changes and fade. Okay. Come on, lift your hands and say, ch 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 change it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's not in my notes, nor is it in yours. <laughs> Ask God to intervene. Change your focus. Change your focus of attention. I have, I'm back on a proper nutrition plan, and I'm really happy about that. We have a saying in our house, the scale is not your friend. Uh, because you can be just really doing great and jump on the scale and it doesn't really change much and it's not an indication really of what's going on in your physical body. I can gain five pounds overnight, water. Just give me a couple of ho-hos, a ding-dong, hot cocoa, be five pounds right overnight, boom. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but and we've said it before, you know, that... You look at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, look, it's pretty good. I'm all right. And then you turn sideways, <laughs> and you realize you're maybe not as lean and cut as you think. And I don't know about that, but if you've ever focused on things, it seems to just get worse sometimes. <laughs> Last night, I don't know, I had a wild hair at like 8.30, ran around outside, just doing all kinds of work yeah. around my house, which I just, I need to, sorry, Pastor Karen, need to do a better job, but had to get some big tires for my truck and put them in the back of the truck and get the tires on. How many of you did a tire changeover? So these are on rims and they're 30 inch tires studded. They're over a hundred pounds a piece. 
I mean, there's this, it's a serious tire. It's not, it's not like a cute little tire, like, you know, for a Hugo three-cylinder. It, it's a big, full-size, one-ton truck tire and, uh, and oversized at that. So I'm pulling these tires out, and I get to the third one, a uh, fourth one, pardon me. I got all three out. I get to the fourth one, and it's frozen. Shock, shock. You think after 15 years I'd realize that you should put stuff on runners or, or on skids or on a two-by-four so it doesn't freeze to the ground that even King Kong couldn't get it off the ground. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So there it is. And so I give it a couple good kicks, and it's not even coming close to moving. So I grab it with the massive back strength that I have. <laughs> And almost hurt myself. <laughs> uh, I thought, no, that's not moving. Uh, sledgehammer. Where's my sledgehammer? I thought, no, what are they? The sledgehammer's gonna bounce off that pretty good. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm gonna pry it up, but the pry bar is in the other shed, whatever, on the far side of the planet. You know, it's probably 50 yards, whatever. But I have this other giant tire. And I think to myself, this is really heavy. I'm just gonna throw it at the, throw it at the frozen tire. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it at the frozen tire. It's gonna turn that thing loose. I'll put it in, I'll be done with my chores. So I pick up this tire with everything I got and I throw it at the tire on the ground and it, it hits the tire and comes straight back at me at a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even have a chance to go like this. <laughs> Hits my leg, my knee stays stuck, I hyperextend my knee and I and I almost fall over and I'm like, no, no, no. I start walking off and I'm like, oh, that's gonna be bad. Oh, and I'm like, ow, out, no. And the more I looked at it, the more it hurt. And then finally I just said, I don't have time for a blown knee. I don't have time for any of that. And I just said, no, no, it's good, it's good. Shaka taka ho ho. Amen. And I just started shaking it off. I just, and, and it's, a, it's still getting healed. Come on, somebody. But if you focus on your pain, you focus on the problem, you focus on the difficulty, you focus on the issue, then it gets bigger and uglier and soon pus is coming out. And before you know it, you got to go to the doctor. Before you know it, they're taking your leg off. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Come on, let's have a praise break. Change your focus from self to God. From what? From self. Change your focus. And so for me, it was very real. It is tender. It's being healed. I got prayer this morning. Amen. But even, you know what's crazy? It hurts more now. Right now. I'm like, yeah. Isn't that a shocker? Begin to focus on the good things. Begin to focus on pure, holy, noble, admirable things. Don't focus on pain. Change your focus from self to God. Change your focus from self to God. Number two, from your present situation to your future. I said from your present situation to the future. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Come on, someone say, I have a future. You know, I've been in some dire situations as a believer. I've been in some planes that I thought were gonna crash. I have this built-in mechanism of faith. And what it is, is God has given me a glimpse of what he called me to do in my life. Okay, 
I'm not even halfway done. I feel like a teenager or a freshman in college. I just started. Pastor Karen and I are freshmen in college. Freshmans? Anyway. We're not done. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you what, what we know, and I'm gonna tell you. I will not be pulled off my assignment, and God will fulfill everything he called me to do now and in the age to come. So when I run into difficulty, I just go, well, we ain't done yet. We ain't done, we ain't even close, God, so thank you, Jesus. That Jim LaFoon's son in a Muslim nation, surrounded by an angry mob who wants to kill the Westerner, the Western Christian. It's a true story. But he had a vision or a dream or both when he was seven or eight years old of him being martyred. And he knows where he's gonna die. He knows the nation is going to die. He knows how it's going, it's gonna happen. So as they're surrounding him and they're, they look like they're about to kill him, he's reminded by the spirit of when he is actually going to die. And he realized, <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> it's the wrong nation. This is not the scenario. And he starts laughing. He like, gets the joy of the Lord. And there was an officer, military person there who said, why are you laughing? He said, because I know how I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die a martyr for the Christian faith. I know how I'm gonna die. I know the nation, it's not this nation. And this is not the scenario. So I know I'm not gonna die, so it's all right. And the guy said, okay, everybody get out of here, break it up. And he brought him back and he went to his apartment. He lives here. Some of you just, you just start crying because it's the end. It's the end if you say so. Are you getting anything? Turn from your present situation to the future. I might be drinking out of a mud puddle now, but God's going to turn it around. I might be in a place of difficulty now, but God's got a future for me. God's got a plan for me and my family. God's going to bring me through. I'm going to overcome. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We are overcomers. You have to coach yourself. Some of you rehearse all this nonsense in your head. Stop. Stop it. Change your focus from asking questions. You know, why is one of the most painful questions you could ask. If he decides to tell you, great, but you can't figure out hardly anything. No, I don't mean you, I mean us. You have no idea how planets don't crash into each other. How one second of energy from the sun is more energy that's been produced in the entire recorded history of mankind. One bolt of lightning can supply energy for a city of 100,000 people for a whole year. One strong bolt of lightning in a thunderstorm. Voltaire, the French atheist, probably the most famous one in the thunder and lightning storm said, you know, there, there might be a God actually. from asking questions to claiming God's promises. The promises of God are the basis by which you pray. If you're gonna set yourself free, if you're gonna get free from despair, you've gotta to learn to stand on God's promises and you have to fight. And lastly, 
from complaining to worshiping God. And that's what the psalmist does. He does these things. These points come right from the text, very simply tonight. It's not God's will for you to be depressed. Let me run that through again. It's not God's will for you to be in despair. It's God's will for you to walk in joy. And there are times of difficulty. It's not that we don't grieve. We do, but we don't grieve like regular people. Corey Ten Boom. How many of you know who that is? I've quoted her many times. She wrote the book called The Hiding Place. She was a, a Jew, a Jewish believer, as I understand it, in, uh, out of Holland, and not Nazi concentration camp. She went with her whole family. Her whole family's raped and killed. She's raped as well. She survived. And she went around the world preaching. And she, so if you don't think she went through difficulty, I'd say that would be far more than any of us here have ever experienced, and may we never. She said, there's no, there's no pit that you've, got not, that you've fallen in that God is not deeper still. God is deeper than, than any difficulty, than any problem. You just have to change your focus. You gotta shake yourself free. We have so many first world problems, you know? I think some of us, maybe some of you all need to take a missions trip you come back and kiss the ground in the United States, you leave this place and you go, you go to some third world country where there, most of the world is groveling and hoping and praying for a bowl of rice and we're irritated because they ran out of our favorite box of Fruit Loops, for God's sake. Oh my gosh, I'm just so depressed. My, I'm so hard I was making the chocolate chip cookies and they're burned, man. They burn. The whole thing's burned. And you just like go into this funk for the next day because you burn the chocolate chip cookies or overcook the steak. I, I, I went outside, I was cooking. I just, I had to slap myself. I handled that pretty well, didn't I? We had these amazing pieces of like organic, natural, I think you guys gave it to us, steaks. Oh, it was ready. I made the barbecue, it was amazing. But cooking in the dark. You know, I don't know what, you know, I got a lot of excuses, but cooking, I had the lamp, I had the whole thing. Now overcook those things. And can I tell you something? If you're a real steak eater, you do not eat well-done steak. You said, no, I, I do, and I'll, okay, I'll take it back. Steak, they say, tastes better when it's cooked properly. And whether it's Wagyu or Washu or whatever, whatever kind of steak you get, there's certain <laughs> temperatures. <laughs> what are we talking about? I think I'm hungry. There's certain temperatures that the meat should be cooked at to release most the maximum flavor. Are you aware of that? Okay. Well, I promise you, charred and burnt and well done is not releasing the natural flavor from the Portuguese beef they gave me. And I don't like doing that. And my family looks to me to make a perfect steak, okay? And so I serve those things. And when they're on the plate, I remember touching one of them. I went, oh, come on. I went inside, I'm like, oh. and I start cutting it, and it's, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm seriously, I, I really was looking forward to that. That's like one of my main things I was eating that day, and it's overdone. And Daniel's like, well, praise the Lord. shake off the burnt toast shake off come on shake it off 
begin to focus on God, live in the, live the blessed life. Can you say amen? From complaining to worshiping. Well, if I had had another light out on the porch, anyway, Pastor Karen just looked and knows that I'm, I'm harder on myself than, you know. Well, oh, she goes, oh, well, praise the Lord. First world problems. Oh, your wagyu is burnt. Oh, poor thing. Freedom from despair. How to change, how to, how to overcome despair, talk to yourself, talk to your soul. Number two, you're with me? Talk to God about your soul. We're reviewing. Number three, change the focus of attention from yourself to God, from present to future. from claiming, from uh, questions to claiming God's promises. And lastly, from complaining, you know, complaining, and I'll close with this, complaining can release a demonic spirit upon your life. And uh, I have scripture for that. In 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 10. They argued and complained and God released a destroyer. Arguing and complaining is never gonna get you the victory. Shut yo mouth and begin to speak life and overcome despair. Can you say amen? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.